This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Tuesday, October 26th. Coming up, we'll hear how a teacher shortage is affecting Kansas schools. The more a teacher is absent, the more it has an impact on the, on the kids. And one Kansas City program was supposed to create more land for housing, but it isn't quite working like it's supposed to. First, some headlines. The Kansas Supreme Court will hear a case today involving a Johnson County School District's mask rule. Kyle Palmer reports. The case the justices will hear Tuesday involves two parents' complaint against the Shawnee Mission School District's mask rule that was in place last school year. A Johnson County judge sided with the district but went further in also determining that the state law which allowed the parents to challenge the policy, known as SB 40, was itself unconstitutional. Attorney General Derek Schmidt has argued a ruling on SB 40's legitimacy is no longer necessary now that Kansas's pandemic state of emergency has ended. But the district court judge argued it could limit local government's ability to respond to future COVID-19 outbreaks. Kansas State Senator Gene Sullentrop will spend 48 hours in jail and serve 12 months probation after being arrested for drunk driving the wrong way on Interstate 70 earlier this year. Blaze Mesa of the Kansas News Service reports. Sullentrop avoided a felony charge of evading police by pleading no contest to two misdemeanor charges of drunken and reckless driving. A felony conviction would have disqualified him from holding office. The Republican from Wichita did not speak with reporters after the hearing about his political future. Lawmakers can remove a fellow member, but Senate President Ty Masterson has said it should be up to the voters. Sullentrop will also pay nearly $800 in fines. The Kansas City, Missouri Land Bank is supposed to create more housing by selling vacant properties for as little as a dollar. But it turns out a lot of those properties have been sitting empty and unused. Salisa Kalakal and Emily Wolf are reporters for nonprofit local news website The Beacon. They worked on an investigation about the land bank and they joined me over Zoom. Hi, Salisa. Hi. Hi, Emily. I mean, so what is the land bank? Good question. Uh, essentially, the land bank is a governmental entity. It was established in 2012 by the Missouri legislature, um, and its overall purpose is to acquire tax delinquent property. So this can be vacant homes that aren't collecting any taxes or vacant lots with nothing built on them. They collect those properties and they put it into their you know, land bank, essentially, and then they sell them at a very, very cheap discounted rate to nonprofits, private buyers uh, to renovate those properties. And what are land bank property purchasers supposed to do with the property? Land bank property owners sign what's called a deed of trust, which basically means they promise to rehabilitate or repair the property within 180 days. During that time, if there's already a property on the lot, they need to repair it, make it livable. If it's just a vacant lot, they can do things like build out a community garden, a playground, etc. But bare minimum, we want to make sure that buyers are revitalizing the area rather than just letting a vacant lot sit there. Your story focused on one land bank property owner in particular. What did you find out about him? We found that the property owner, Joshua Bolin, effectively bought 43 properties in 2017 and then left them sitting there for years. 
Uh, Bolin is the owner of an LLC, DC Capital and Investments, that he used to purchase the properties. But this LLC is also involved in several fraud lawsuits, um, both in Missouri and other states across the country, um, alleging that Bolin has misused LLC funds, purposefully misled investors. He also has multiple warrants uh, in the, the Jackson County Municipal Court System. But thus far, lawyers uh, wanting him for fraud have been unable to find him. No one has been able to track him down. How common is it for land bank property owners to just let the property sit like that? Do you know? It's a good question and one without a clear answer. Land bank doesn't publicly say we've taken back X number of properties because they didn't do this. That's not data they put on their website. In order to check that, you have to go through individually every single land bank property, look and see if, did this landowner put in any permits for say water or electricity? Um, Did they contact the city to get help with construction? So there's no easy way to tell other than just going through each property the land bank has sold and checking individually. You also looked into the chair of the land bank. What did you find? Yes. So the chair of the land bank is uh, Julie Anderson. She was appointed to the board in 2016. Julie Anderson is also a well-known attorney in Kansas City, especially when it comes to uh, evictions. She has a law firm called uh, Anderson and Associates. And essentially what we found uh, through CaseNet, which is also available to the public, it lets you look through uh, court cases and whatnot. In 2017 and 2018, uh, Anderson represented uh, DC Capital Investments, uh, which is Boland's LLC. Uh, 11 times in eviction proceedings uh, in court for other properties that he owned or managed in Kansas City. So these are situations where uh, the property management essentially pursued uh, an eviction against a tenant in one of their properties. And she was the attorney who represented them uh, in Jackson County Court uh, during those proceedings. And, you know, as chair of the land bank, Anderson, you know, is involved with approving these purchases, you know, approving who gets these properties. So that is the connection that we found between both of them. What made you interested in reporting this story? The land bank is one of those interesting, smaller governmental entities that doesn't get a lot of coverage uh, from local news. Um, They kind of operate... Someone in the shadows, you know, the land bank has a relationship with the homesteading authority of Kansas City. They do a lot of uh, transfers of property uh, between the two. Uh, But we just thought, you know, why not shine a light on this governmental entity, Um, especially, you know, at a time where a lot of people are thinking about housing and they are thinking about, you know, what are the solutions to address, you know, our affordable housing crisis in Kansas City. How did you go about reporting this story? So our first step was just getting the database from the land bank, laying out exactly who had bought the properties for how much and when they bought them. From there, we did some analysis in SQL, um, which is just basic database software uh, that allowed us to see who was purchasing the most. Then we got onto this neat thing called Parcel Viewer, uh, KCMO folks. This is a online tool free to you as well. But we looked up these addresses that Volan had purchased to make sure that he still owned those properties. And then we started combing through 311 calls saying, you know, 
oh, it seems that there's reports of unhoused folks on this property at this point, or there's reports of drug use or super high weeds. We then would check all of those things off into a spreadsheet to keep track of and just started reaching out to folks uh, that either knew Bolin, knew his LLC, or knew about the land bank. Why does all of this matter? That's a good question. I would say it matters because I think in Kansas City right now, a lot of people are talking about housing. Uh, we do have a shortage of affordable housing stock uh, statewide and also in Kansas City. And the land bank's purpose you know, is to essentially increase the affordable housing stock by taking these tax delinquent properties, by taking vacant lots and essentially selling them off at a cheap rate in the hopes that whoever buys them will transform them into housing that people can live in, into a community garden that benefits the community. And so I think it matters because if you have this entity that says they're going to take vacant properties and turn them, you know, into housing to address this crisis that we're in, it's important to actually you know, as reporters, be a watchdog and hold this entity accountable to their promises. Um, and we thought now would be a good time to do that, considering all of these conversations we're having, we're having about affordable housing and, you know, how can we keep people in the city without pricing them out? You know, what is the best way to do that? Emily, is there anything you want to add to that? The $1 Homes Initiative made the headlines earlier this summer from the land bank which promised that folks could buy a land bank property for $1 and then go ahead and transform it into a home for unhoused folks. I think that this sort of reporting is incredibly important in light of that promise that the land bank made to housing affordability. Because if the buyers they're approving are not doing the work to make sure that these vacant lots and dilapidated properties are actually repaired, this is just another false promise on the issue of affordable housing in Kansas City. Emily Wolf and Salisa Kalakal are reporters for The Beacon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Emily. We'll be back after this message from our supporters. At UMB Private Wealth Management, a part of UMB Bank, your story is our focus. UMB works closely with you to tailor a plan that meets your goals through every stage of life and changing economic climates. UMB's customized financial planning services and resources help you accumulate, preserve, and protect wealth, giving you peace of mind about your future. UMB, everything we do starts with you, from our high-touch service to our robust suite of wealth management products. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Kansas schools were struggling to find substitute teachers even before COVID-19. Now, during a lingering pandemic and nationwide labor supply issues, the problem is worse. Suzanne Perez of the Kansas News Service reports the shortage of teachers is a daily crisis with long-term consequences for students. One recent afternoon at Andover High School, northeast of Wichita, some math students are seeing a new face at the front of their classroom. All right, guys, welcome to 7th Hour Algebra 1, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So Surly McNeil is a substitute teacher in Andover, one of a team of full-time subs rounded up last year to fill in a suddenly chronic shortage. The, the need for substitute teachers is quite high in all the schools, not just here at the high school. So if I don't have a sub-assignment here, I get assigned to other schools. More than ever before, subs are in demand. 
The pandemic exposed chronic national teacher shortages. Even before the coronavirus hit, Kansas schools struggled to find subs, teachers' aides, cafeteria workers, and bus drivers. Sean Hudspeth is head of human resources for the state's largest district in Wichita. This month, he warned school board members that shortages are getting worse. I want you to know that it's a critical thing for us. It weighs on our minds now. It has been since school started and will probably for the remainder of this school year. Here's the problem. For nearly a decade now, scores of teachers have been quitting. Fewer young people filled in behind them. When the pandemic hit, even more teachers resigned. Some of those spots were filled with long-term substitutes, and that pretty much emptied the hiring pool. Now teacher absences are way up thanks to COVID outbreaks and quarantines. Retired teachers usually make up the bulk of potential subs, but many of them don't want to risk exposure to the virus. Three years ago, Wichita had more than 1,000 people signed up to work as substitute teachers. This fall, there are about 450. Wichita's guest services team starts at 5 a.m. trying to track down enough subs to staff hundreds of classrooms. Well, it can be pretty hard. Um some days. But we Katie Reed is an administrative assistant who spends hours each day looking for subs. We are on the phone constantly all day. Even if it's not between 5 a.m. to 9, we're still always on the phone trying to find coverage for the next day or for that afternoon. When the search runs dry, it gets tricky. Teachers juggle multiple classes or use plan time to cover for colleagues. Downtown administrators leave their offices and head back to classrooms. Fifth grade teachers corral kindergartners. History teachers teach calculus. Some districts are calling in the National Guard to drive school buses or having bus drivers serve lunches. And for students? And so it's not a huge effect, but it is something. And of course, the more a teacher is absent, the more it has an impact on the, on the kids. That's Michael Hansen of the Brookings Institution. He says most subs have short-term assignments, so the impact is hard to measure. But a sub's primary task is supervising and assigning review work, not teaching new material. So that means students learn less. Research shows that when a teacher is absent for 10 days over the course of a year, student learning goes down 2 to 3 percent. Most large districts in Kansas are boosting pay and offering benefits to attract substitute teachers. Pay around Wichita starts at $119 a day and can go as high as 172 Alicia Thompson is superintendent of Wichita schools. But we are out actively trying to do all that we can to recruit folks to come in and to work. Still, supply isn't meeting demand, and it's taking a toll. Brent Lewis is president of the Wichita Teachers Union. He recently told the school board that teachers are burned out. Our educators have been stepping up to meet the challenge to the point of real and lasting exhaustion. During the height of the pandemic last winter, staffing shortages forced many Kansas districts to close schools and send kids home for online classes. This year, kids are back in person, but not really back to normal. Michael Hansen of Brookings says this year is just survival mode for schools and students. To me, I think the first tier concern is just sort of staying open and allowing kids to come in as much as they can. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Suzanne Perez in Wichita. The Kansas News Service is a collaboration of KCUR, KMUW, Kansas Public Radio, and High Plains Public Radio. It reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia dean This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Emily and Salisa's story on the Kansas City Land Bank and Suzanne's story on substitute teachers, visit kcur.org, where you 
you can also find our live stream. And as always, you can listen to Kansas City's NPR station live on the radio at 89.3 FM. If you like Kansas City today, tell your friends and subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. You can also leave us a voicemail with your thoughts at 816-235-8930. Tomorrow, we'll hear just how much Missouri's lawsuits against local mask mandates are costing taxpayers. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Thank you.